Welcome back, everyone, for a new episode of the Takeoff Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Spiro, and today's episode is with Barack Kaufman. This was a super fun and exciting episode for me to record, as Barack was actually my boss a few summers ago when I interned for him at Intello. A bit on Barack's background, Barack did his undergrad at Michigan Ross, where he was involved with student organizations such as Tamid and Michigan's Consulting Club. He then joined the global-leading software-focused VC and growth firm Insight Partners as an analyst, where he spent about two and a half years before venturing off to start his own company. That startup, Intello, a leading SaaS management platform that was recently acquired by identity security leader SailPoint. If you want to learn more about the SaaS management space as a whole, head over to the takeoff.substack.com and check out my SaaS management mini deep dive from earlier this year. If you want to learn more about Intello or SailPoint, stay tuned because you're in the right place. That's all for me, and let's get into the episode. Brock, I'm, I'm super excited for this. This is the first episode I've done with someone who is my former boss. Uh, so I'm definitely <laughs> really excited on, on that front. Um, maybe to start, can you just discuss a little bit about you know what Intello is and, and what SailPoint is? Um, and why SaaS management is so important. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for inviting me on. Like, I'm so excited to be here and to share some maybe nuggets of, of wisdom from, from my journey. So my name is Barack Kaufman. I am the CEO and co-founder. I should say I was the CEO and co-founder of Intello. Intello is a SaaS management platform. Think of us as SaaS to manage all the SaaS. So SaaS, for those that, that are not familiar with the, the term, stands for software as a service. It's all the cloud-based software applications. Think Salesforce, Zoom, Box, Dropbox. And so Intello is the meta aggregator that tracks the usage, the spend, the compliance, the security of all of those SaaS applications. It's one centralized meta aggregator reporting layer for what's happening in the SaaS environment. Prior to starting Intello, I worked at Insight Venture Partners on the investment team there, uh, sourcing and diligencing software investments. And that's where I saw a lot of the SaaS proliferation that was going on in the market, what would seem like an endless amount of uh, SaaS proliferation and, and explosion for pretty much every vertical in every industry. And I started to spend some time with the Insight portfolio companies to learn more about their problems and challenges and how they were getting visibility into their software environment. And make a very long story short, realize that everybody basically had spreadsheets and manual audits that they were actually using to discover it. And that became the initial kind of light bulb uh, moment for Intello. Uh, we incorporated in, in February 2017. And then just a few weeks ago, as, as Michael alluded to, we were acquired by SailPoint. SailPoint's the, the leader in identity security. Uh, they have a they have software products that that help companies, mostly large corporations, with managing the access and governance and and login to all the different um, applications you have in your environment. So you can think of the 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 partnership as and relatively natural. I'm happy to talk more about it. Where in, Intello does all the the software discovery, SaaS discovery, and SailPoint's the the reporting engine and, and the brains behind the operation. Of making sure everything actually is secure within the enterprise and, and within the organization. So my new title—that's uh, why I said I, I was formerly the, the CEO and co-founder of Intel. My new my new title is I'm the senior director of product, overseeing SaaS management at SailPoint. Awesome, R really helpful, and really exciting on the recent 
uh, exit and, and on your, your new gig and new title. Um, I think acquisitions are something that always, you know, excite me a lot. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners too. So you obviously alluded a little to how uh, Cellpoint is a great fit for Intello. Could you maybe just go a little bit more in depth as to how, um, why Cellpoint, I'd say, over, you know, some other players that may be out there and some of the other paths that maybe Intello had even just a few weeks ago pre-acquisition? Yeah, absolutely. And so maybe I'll, I'll actually go from that last piece and, and move my way backwards. Uh, this was not the plan, to be honest with you. Uh, we were growing. We're growing really well. We're one of the, the beneficiaries of uh, a lot of the, the changes that happened as a result of COVID, specifically the fact that every organization had to get set up for remote work. And what, what you saw is enterprises that were planning out you know, for the next five years, how they were going to go through a digital transformation overnight had to enable all their employees, their entire workforce to work remotely. And you can't work remotely in legacy on-premise applications. You, you really need a, a cloud environment. And so that, that immediate growth and adoption of cloud applications and therefore the growth of you know, Zoom and, and all these other apps in the marketplace and their stock prices, by the way, um, helps the, the, the picks and shovels, right? Helps the Intellos of the world that, that, um, that we can kind of help the, with the challenges of that SaaS explosion, of that SaaS proliferation, of the SaaS sprawl that exists within the environment. And as a result of that, uh, we had a lot of options. We were actually planning to close a, a relatively large funding round and, um, and keep building this for a while. We got introduced to, to SailPoint originally as part of them potentially investing in that funding round. And as we spent more and more time with management and the team and got a better sense for their vision, we realized the opportunity to build something much larger together and, and build it much quicker. Right. And so specifically in terms of the strategic opportunity to, to partner up with them, SailPoint is the leader in their market. I mean, you can ask anyone that that has evaluated any identity security solutions out there. Uh, you look at any of the major quadrants or whatever report you, you want to look at, uh, SailPoint is is the leader. And so uh, we work with at, at SailPoint, we work with basically all the large corporates in the world. And as a startup, it's really hard to get that adoption as someone that, that built it, right? You have to go customer by customer. And even though we were growing, it was going to take a long time to get to market. And as you know, Michael, from having covered the space, what, what we got started on uh, four years ago has become an industry, has become its own market. SaaS management is now a, a, an actual landscape. And so as it started to, to heat up, we, we looked at what our options were. Uh, whether it was raising an investor around or, or partnering with SailPoint. And we just felt that we can significantly accelerate a lot of our growth, a lot of our adoption, a lot of our learnings by joining SailPoint. Really, really helpful on, on that front. And going back now kind of to the earliest days of Intello, you obviously spoke earlier uh, how you were at Insight and, and can maybe get it dive a little deeper there in a few minutes, but, you know, what was it like in the early days of Intello in terms of, you know, finding a co-founder, making early hires, uh, testing the idea and really getting validation that, you know, you guys were onto something with Intello and that this was really an opportunity. Um, I think a lot of our listeners are, are in college or maybe recent grads, maybe who are thinking through ideas and figuring out how to actually get to market and how they should actually measure certain metrics and traction over time. Um, so maybe it'd just be helpful to, to learn a bit more about what it was actually like in the earliest days of Intello. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going back to that mindset and it's, it's kind of crazy because in some ways it feels like yesterday and in other ways it feels like a lifetime ago. Uh, but it was, it was hard and it was a little bit confusing. It was like, what do you do? You have this idea. Now, how do you go turn this idea into a company? You know it's possible because you see these companies get started all the time or you listen to podcasts and founders that, that, that did it. But it's like, well, now what? And there's no magic formula. It kind of just organically happens. It's like one of the, the basically the job when you, when you start a company, when you found a company, is just problem solving problem after problem. And 90% of the time, it's a problem you've never encountered before, at least if you're a first-time founder. And you just figure out how to leverage your network and ask the right questions, do the right Google searching, figure out what, what comes next. The most important part for me and, and in my journey was uh, I knew who my co-founder would be and, and who it was. It was my roommate from, from college, uh, Shlomo. We had always kicked around ideas together. He was working at a, at a high growth startup where he got a lot of that technical experience around building a team and, and what that took and, and just you know, product management and, and engineering in, in general. And so before either of us knew that this was going to turn into something, uh, we just spent kind of nights and weekends talking about it, mapping it out. And the more time we spent on it and the, the more people we would talk to, the more validation we, we would get. And we, we just got to a place where the, we just couldn't not do it. <laughs> That's really what it was. Like we couldn't live with ourselves regretting not having given this a shot. And even though we both were, had very comfortable jobs and, and opportunities, uh, it just, you know, it, it just got to that point that, that the whole opportunity just, just pulled us in. And then where you go from there is you leverage your network, you pitch people in your network that you think it might be a fit for, you take as many notes as possible, you diligence it, you kind of build from there. Um, we started working with uh, a designer friend to create some mock-ups and start showing the actual prospective clients what that would look like. We spoke to investors, which um, my advice would be don't speak to investors. It's kind of a waste of time early on. Th that will come naturally and organically when, when you're actually ready for it. But spend your time talking to prospective clients. Understand the problem deeply. Try to ask yourself the question, why doesn't this exist today? Or if it does exist today, why are you going to be so much better than those incumbents? And the best way to learn that is, is by spending time with prospective clients. And everything else is, you know, again just kind of emerges around that definitely and i think it kind of an interesting trend that i've at least been following and was just listening um blinking on which podcast they were just discussing this in the other day but kind of this idea of, of early stage first-time founders just going through the motions of starting a company and kind of in the lens of okay talking with top investors at these funds raising a lot of money at a high valuation um but not actually really focusing on their users and on, on solving the problem, but just focusing on getting a tech crunch headline uh, and making it seem like you're actually doing something. So I think that that, that advice and kind of just walking through your story um, is really helpful and really resonates a lot and, and hopefully will will guide a lot of our listeners more so than, than maybe that, that other concept or idea of kind of just going through the steps there. Um, maybe I should comment on that really quickly, mm -hmm. Michael, if you don't mind. You know, we went through that. We were jaded by that too, just like everybody else, right? It's, you know, I don't want to sound like we're so much better. We knew what to do. It's like, we just have the learning. So I'm, I'm reflecting, I have the benefit of hindsight. Mm -hmm. and I'm kind of sharing, right? We, we did all that. 
we launched with a TechCrunch article, you know, after I basically stalked the TechCrunch journalist to, to cover uh, a funding round for us. And we had the announcement and it led to, you know, tons of companies signing up, but they weren't the right companies. It actually uh, hurt us more than it helped us, the, the TechCrunch coverage and, and overly focused on the investment round and announcement and PR. Because make a long story short for us, it was, you know, small businesses versus mid-market enterprise companies, which were our buyers. And they weren't reading TechCrunch. It's not where they get their news, right? It's where you get your news or where founders get their news or VCs get their news, but not necessarily the CIOs or chief security officers for mid-market enterprise companies. And so the more time you spend getting into your customer's mindset, the more opportunities uh, that, that that will come your way organically around everything else, whether it's you know journalist coverage or funding rounds or things like that. Great, and I'd love to just go a little bit more in depth uh, on your experience at Insight. I think a, a, a lot of our subscribers have expressed interest in either breaking into venture or growth equity out of school and through internships. Um, Insight's obviously one of the few venture firms or, and, and, and growth shops that really has a very structured analyst program for recent grads. Um, what are some of the advantages that you would say of going straight into venture growth in a program like Insight? Bessemer obviously also has one, General Atlantic, and, and a few other ones too. Yeah, I was very fortunate to have gotten the job at Insight. You know, candidly, um, Insight didn't used to recruit at Michigan where, where I went to school. The, the year I got the internship at, at Insight, which then turned into a full-time job, was their first year recruiting. In, at Michigan, and so the opportunities that I had were were uh, again it was it was more lucky than than kind of smart um, in terms of my growth and experience. And then you you have the job, and and I don't think I really appreciated at the time how much I'd actually benefit from that experience having worked at Insight. Uh, I mean, to to just again the, with the benefit of hindsight, within I remember my first week. And insight, Googling what SaaS is and trying to figure out what the heck is this software as a service versus cloud, this whole idea of multi-tenancy. I would, like, it was just going over my head. I was like an undergraduate business school major and trying to you know, figure it all out. Fast forward three years, I started SaaS throughout a SaaS company, right? And so like the learnings that you have by getting in the trenches in, in, in a market and being able to just you know, constantly grow intellectually uh, and knowledge-wise about so many of these markets and and you know spaces that are disrupting the world, right? When it comes to technology, was an incredible experience. But actually, the thing for me that I disliked the most about the Insight experience that ended up being the most helpful was the whole uh, cold emailing, cold calling component of it, right? Insight um, for a while has had a structured analyst program with the idea that analysts and and, um, and recruits straight out of school can help source investment opportunities. Hire really smart, bright people that will work on diligence, but even more importantly, they will network and get to CEOs of, of interesting software investments. And that's the primary job still today when you join most growth equity firms in your, your first few years. And it is grueling to send emails and founders not want to talk to you because you're too junior and trying to find a way in, figuring out the right emails to get people's attention. And you're tracking the open rates like that you're sending to these founders. And your product is capital. Your product is, is you're selling cash, but it's sales. 
And I didn't appreciate at the time how much I'd benefit from just that, that, that learning, how to send a cold email, how to get attention, how to review your campaigns, how to sell. And when you start a company, that's, that's really the job, right? You're, you're selling your co-founder to join, then you're selling your early team members to take a risk on you. Then you're going to sell investors to, to, you know, bet on you and you're selling prospective clients, of course, and, um, and partners. And it's just different forms of sales. And you can be the smartest person in the world with the best tech in the world. And if you don't really know how to, you know, sale has, sales often has a negative connotation, but it really is sales. If you don't really know how to sell yourself or the product or the company, it's going to be really challenging, really difficult. There are, there are exceptions to that rule, but uh, usually, you know, there, there are exceptions. And so having that skill set while being able to get the network that I had at Insight and learning the whole investing side was, for me and my journey, incredibly helpful. Not necessary, but incredibly helpful. Mm-hmm. And and I think I've already kind of gotten through takeaways um, in the sense of key traits for founders, just from what you've spoken on so far, in the sense, kind of taking away one, problem solving, just being really you know engaged and loving to solve different problems. To being good at sales, which is something that you obviously learned a lot about while at Insight. Um, but three, also really being obsessed with the problem and talking to customers and just reiterating and learning more and more every day. I'm curious, are there any other traits that you would say are really good or important to have um, for a founder and maybe even more particularly, uh, you know, non-technical founder? I don't know that there are any innate, you know, um, personality skills that you need to have. I think there are founders like every other kind of role. Um, founders come in all shapes, sizes, uh, uh, backgrounds, uh, skill sets, personalities. And I think what's most important uh, a trait, like if you're going to start a company, is to be able to be introspective and to kind of know yourself. Know where your strengths are, know where your weaknesses are, and play towards those. Right? and and um, build around that and hire around that. The more you kind of understand what you're good at and what you're not good at, the the easier everything else will be. And no one's good at everything. And if you think you're you're good at everything, then you know life's gonna 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 hit you uh, pretty hard later on in life. Like n- nobody is. And so um, it doesn't mean that you either have to be technical or focus on sales. Like I'm not saying that it's a uh, um, that it's binary in that way. But it's understand where your strengths are, understand where your weaknesses are, and be able to improve on that. And that is that is actually um, a skill that you have to work on to be introspective, to be able to take a step back and, and reflect, to be able to constantly learn and figure out how to how to grow and, and how to scale from there and, and how to put yourself in, in a position to to win and be successful. And so to me that's um, that, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know everything, but I, I do know that that was really helpful for me is just being able to introspect and, and constantly learn and, um, yeah, and grow. Sweet. And just quickly kind of transitioning over to last few questions, um, which are focused more so on advice for our listeners and for students in particular. So the first question here is, in terms of being a student with an idea to start a company, um, you think it's really important to actually go and get professional experience, whether that's 
in an operating role at an early stage startup, joining a, a bigger tech company, maybe like a Google or Facebook, and having that on your resume, whether it's doing venture growth, um, do you think that having a name and experience like that really de-risks the founding experience a lot? Or would you say, hey, if you have this idea that you're really passionate about and it's really something you want to do, even if you're a 20 or 21-year-old college student or recent grad, go do it. You'll learn a lot, probably will fail. But if it's something you're really passionate about, go get it and and don't waste time You know, going and spending a few years elsewhere. Yeah, I don't think that there's a formula that's right for everyone. I... I... You know, I I personally benefited a lot from having a the, the brand name and network of insight behind me after starting the company. Um, I know founders that came from Google's and Microsoft's and Amazon, Facebooks of the world, um, and I also have friends who started companies straight out of school or while they were in school, and turned out to be uh, really successful companies. And so there there isn't one answer for anyone. Uh, but if you're if you're at the point that you're working on an idea and you have this job opportunity at, at one of you know big tech or growth equity firms or something like that, and you're you're really contemplating it, then you're probably not passionate about enough about what you're building to really commit to it because the the startup journey is hard. And you will, no matter what that decision is, whether it's to start the company to join that, you know, let's just call it a the big tech company. Uh, you're going to at times wonder if you made the right call. You're going to second guess yourself. It's just natural, right? Like when you started a company and, and it gets really hard and, uh, and it, it isn't really working out, you'd be like, oh man, my, my life could be so much easier. I could be getting paid well, like ha- have the learnings and, and build a pedigree and I, I benefit from it. And vice versa, you join, let's just say the Google, uh, you know, you join Google and their PM program coming out of school. And you're like, man, I'm, I'm really just not learning enough about how to build. I wish I like worked on that idea. It's still nagging at me. I really think we could have built something. Next thing you know, you know, someone's raising funding for a very similar idea. Um, and you kind of regret not having bet on yourself. And so I don't know that there is, you know, a simple answer to the question. I think it's why. People have that question, you know, so often and wrestle with it. It's like you're going to wrestle with it no matter what. And so, just my advice or the way that I've approached it is to kind of live life with no regrets, right? What is the, um, what would you regret more, right? And kind of in hindsight, and that will tell you a lot about how passionate you are and how certain you are, um, consciously or subconsciously, about the decision that you're making for your career. so again, you'll benefit a lot from the networks and from meeting people and from having the pedigree. Uh, you'll benefit a lot from starting something and have all the, the learning with pretty minimal downside as well. And so there really isn't one answer. It, it, it's a, it depends kind of scenario. Definitely. And, and that's really helpful. Um, and I'm curious, this is the last question I had had planned, but are there any book recommendations or podcast recommendations, maybe newsletter recommendations that you would give to our audience, um, either in terms of SaaS management, SaaS startups, entrepreneurship as a whole, or really just anything in general? Yeah, I'm a big consumer of uh, knowledge in all those different mechanisms. Personally, I got pretty into podcasts 
this past year and everything else. One, just make sure you subscribe to the takeoff. This is your first time listening. It's uh, you know, checks a lot of those boxes with the podcast and the content and, and the email newsletters. Um, I, I do think emails and newsletters are are an easy way to just you know um, get a sense for what's going on. Personally, having uh, you know interned at Insight and then gotten the full time job there. That's where I found out about a lot of the newsletters to subscribe to. And so specifically, uh, Dan Permax newsletter, which is now part of Axios at the time that I was a subscriber as part of, I think it was Fortune, um, is a great one just to follow funding announcements and news. And, uh, and even while building, uh, Intel, I followed that relatively religiously because it gives you a pulse and sense of like, what are those ideas that people are investing in? You don't need to understand each business or look up each business, but you just start to pick up on trends. Uh, and so I, I, I really like that. And no matter you know what industry you're interested in, but if you're interested in tech, then following where the money is going is usually indicative of, of where opportunities are and, and, and trends that, that exist. Um, on the podcast side, uh, there's a podcast called Founders Real Talk that I like. I, my, my personal approach, to be honest, is go on Spotify or you know. Um, your your podcast app or or wherever you however you listen to podcasts and kind of search for the name of uh, companies or the founders of companies that you might be interested in and just see if they've done podcasts or interviews and then you'll stumble upon these like really interesting uh, podcasts and, and content to actually learn. Um, I'm personally more into like the thirty to forty five minute. Uh, interview with someone that's like built something that you can kind of listen to on two x speed and, uh, while you're walking, you know, uh, from from place to place. That's been my approach, but works well. On the book side, um, you know, there's all the typical books like Crossing the Chasm and things like that that I'm sure you you hear and and retain. I don't have any books that kind of totally changed my life. I kind of, I, I look for books based on different problems and things that I'm going through. Right. So if it's like I'm trying to learn about sales, I'll reach out to people that I know who are uh, just really great at software sales and try to ask them, hey, have any learnings or materials you you recommend? Uh, and sometimes it's like, you know, open view. The venture capital firm has a great uh, newsletter and, and articles and they actually have playbooks on SaaS go to market. And so sometimes the answer is not even a typical hardcover or a paperback book. It's like those ebooks. And so I just look for for a lot of those ways. There's no no you know must read on, on my list at least. Awesome. Well, this was all really helpful and enjoyable, Brock. Thanks so much for coming on the takeoff, and I'm excited to get this out in the next few weeks and to continue to watch Intello and Sailpoint grow in the future. Yeah, thank you for being such a supporter and, and friend through the journey, and I'm excited to see the takeoff take off. <laughs> so uh, at some point, I hope to be flipping this around and be the one interviewing you about all your success and how you built the takeoff when you were staying <laughs> So congrats to you, Michael, and everything. Awesome. Really appreciate it. 